Today we hear one of my really all-time favorite readings from sacred scripture, the letter of St. Paul to the Philippians, chapter 2. It's called the Great Christological Hymn. It's just packed with truth. I had an entire course on uh, this one little passage in seminary. The line in particular, he, being Jesus, he emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, coming in human likeness, found in human appearance, humbled himself, becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. He emptied himself. In Greek, kenosis. It's a complete self-emptying of Jesus' own will um, to the will uh, of his Father. So being at a parish this size, the sacramental load is, is quite big for priests, which is a great thing. Uh, it's a beautiful thing. You know, people are engaging in the sacraments, receiving the grace of God. It's a good thing for young priests, too, that are you know, kind of fresh and need a lot of training. So just yesterday, I had two weddings right in a row. One and down here at 3.30. Two beautiful couples that I had the honor of walking through uh, and guiding towards marriage these last few months. Um, so today I thought I would unite this beautiful Christological hymn with, uh, with the gift, the sacrament of marriage, because I think we could assume many here are enjoyers of that sacrament or at least results of it. Um, so first, some insider info. I'm sure you could assume this, <clears throat> but priests oftentimes will use the same homily, not for Sunday, hopefully, but for like marriages, because the beauty of marriage is it's always there. Why reinvent the wheel if you have a really good homily and you could just insert you know, particular stories of the couple um, and apply it to the truth that is marriage um, and relating that to Christ and his church. Uh, a priest once even told me that if you're preaching something totally new, especially on a Sunday that you think has never been preached before, uh, it's probably heresy. So anyways, here's my little, you know, marriage homily that I've developed these first few months. And in telling it, I invite you um, to rethink your own, if that's a sacrament you're in. That exact moment where the man proposes, where he becomes in all reality extremely vulnerable, where he humbles himself. I think it's a powerful moment, it's an intimate moment that sometimes couples, you know, could overlook or, or not think back to. Because I think in that moment, the reality of true love is revealed. The man is completely exposed. He bears no armor. He literally goes down on his knee and couldn't react too fast, say, in some alternate universe, the woman decides to take a swing at him. <laughs> He's just there, awaiting a response, humbling himself. And then the woman, for her part, she has all the power in that moment. He could have retained it, but he didn't because he loves her. He gave it all to her, literally lowering himself in front of her presence and gaze. So in his humbling, his complete self-emptying, this daring show of vulnerable and intimate love displayed perhaps in a you know, quote-unquote normal engagement, the truth of love is revealed between them. That he offers her, his beloved, uh, the ring, the symbol of their love, of the total self-gift that he wishes to make to her forever. And then she, the beloved, on her part, receives that ring as her sign of love for him and of that equal and, and total self-gift. And without, they, without these two pieces, there's just nothing, right? There has to be both. And they don't lose themselves by the act of doing this. Rather, they find themselves. So brothers and sisters, this is the love of Christ. This is the love of the Trinity. This is the love of Christ that he has for his bride, the church. She for whom he died on the cross, completely self-emptying himself and giving her everything. 
So this is what Christ did, emptying himself. This is what the second reading is talking about today. And that's what couples are called to do in marriage, uh, to lay down their lives for each other. You could even take the Trinity, Trinitarian theology of the Father empties himself. He's so much love that he empties himself and it begets the Son. And the love between them is so strong that the Holy Spirit comes forth, spirates forth. But this is not just a call for married couples. I'm just trying to make it real. Uh, this is a universal call to humble ourselves, to not put ourselves first. But, you know, practicing this self-sacrificial love, um, sometimes that cliche, cliche saying comes up, you know, love never fails. And that's true, uh, because God is love. Uh, but the harsh reality is, we're human. Our love can fail, especially when we forget uh, the true meaning purpose of it. So how important it is that we have these beautiful readings today um, to remind us that our love, which is good, true, and beautiful, it's a great gift, um, must be rooted and united in the ultimate love, uh, the love of Jesus, um, who is the most perfect of lovers. A love modeled in his own self-emptying and one becoming man, giving us the Eucharist and two, dying upon the cross. Brothers and sisters, in a few moments, Jesus will self-empty himself on this altar as he did 2,000 years ago upon the cross. Um, if our eyes could but see the true reality of what's really happening here, of who this truly is, I think we would die out of fear for how much he loves us. It's that overwhelming. Um, but he protects us. He protects our eyes, our souls, um, and he enters us in a most peaceful and calm way. So in a world with so many marriages, you know, that are broken, and a world which seems to be inclining towards darkness. Let us let Christ and his love be our light, our foundation, especially when our foundations, whether it's marriage or you know, just our own relationships, are tested. By this reception of the Holy Eucharist today, let us ask Christ for the grace to empty ourselves, just like he did, to those whom we love and whom we encounter.